Yes. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. It's time for JT the Brick. How we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinionated sports talk host. We have a goal. We have ideas. We know exactly what we want to do here. Just win, baby. The Raiders' schedule is brutal. It's a second-place schedule that's front-loaded heavy and back-loaded heavy. The fans of the Raider Nation. Sound off like you got a pair. JT the Brick. I'm talking about the notorious ones, the out-of-control fans, the passionate fans. All of you fans are invited to be a part of the show. I'd like you to come in big and come in with a purpose. And that's it. Use the phone like a weapon. Enjoy everything we do. And please always feel welcome to call in and to tweet and to be a part of the show. Fair enough? And now, here's JT the Bird. All right, welcome back, everybody. We spent two days on the loss in Jacksonville. Now we're on to Indianapolis, so... Please call in on your Indianapolis calls and what you think the Raiders need to do. Are you going to the game? You know, there hasn't been a Raider game at home in a while. They've been on the road since uh, New Orleans. They are back again, and I think it's going to be great that they come home to their fans here, the season ticket holders, everybody who's coming out to the Indy game. So if you're going to the game, how about giving us your expectation phone call and jump on in right here? What are your expectations that you want to see? Now, a lot of fans for the last week or two have been saying, well, you know, they start fast, they don't finish the games. We know that. We've covered that. We know the 17-point story. We've read you the stats. There are three games that are just games you just don't ever want to hear about again. So we've done that. That's in the past. Let's try to find something positive where the Raiders can get some momentum going. Because this becomes a national spotlight game because Jeff Saturday is going to be the head coach. And he was sitting on the desk with Stephen A. Smith a week ago. So the whole NFL community, former players, analysts, coaches, all have differing opinions on this topic. Because Jim Ursay, the owner, looks to be very erratic. I'm not going to say unstable. The guy... I don't think this is that unstable of a move. He hired his friend, a guy he treats as his son. He didn't go out and just say, hey, man, I'm going to take some consultant you've never heard of and make him the coach or some player that you might have heard from. He brought in someone he's very comfortable with to be the guardian of the team as he's kind of screwing it up. The owner is not winning games. He fired Carson Wentz. That was a pretty shady move. Carson Wentz was supposed to be there to be – he's a young guy, Carson Wentz. He's supposed to be the quarterback there for a while. And then they get rid of him because they lost one game to Jacksonville. He freaked out. So he got rid of the quarterback. And then in the offseason, they come out, they lose to Jacksonville again, and then all of a sudden Frank Wright's on the hot seat. They don't turn it around without Jonathan Taylor, who's hurt. They bring in Matt Ryan, who I like a lot. I think Matt Ryan. Derek Carr is Matt Ryan, everybody. If you want me to compliment Derek more, Derek Carr would love to have the career of Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's an MVP in this league who won an NFC championship game and had a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl when Kyle Shanahan choked that game away. Okay, with Julio Jones, remember that team? So Matt Ryan has been to multiple Pro Bowls, a Super Bowls, won an MVP, and already has enough stats to walk in backwards into the Hall of Fame. That's a compliment to Derek. A lot of times Matt Ryan was considered elite. That was before we even had more of these elite running quarterbacks. That would include Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, who came into this league and just took it over by storm. But do you remember when Drew Brees and Tom Brady, oh, and a guy named Matt Ryan were playing? They were going all the Pro Bowls and winning a lot of games. Now Matt Ryan's benched. 
If I was Jeff Saturday, I'd hold the press conference today and go, you know, I just took over the team, looking around. Everyone's kind of cool. I'm gonna insta- I'm gonna put Matt Ryan into the game just for this week. I'm gonna let him call the plays. Why? He's not trying to be Elon Musk and invent the rocket ship or a new brand of a Tesla. He's running the playbook. Ken Stabler called all the plays. That wasn't 200 years ago. Joe Namath called every play. Terry Bradshaw called every play. Now we're sitting around going, no, 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 quarterbacks can't call the plays. I'm sitting there going, why don't you give them two plays? No, no, we're going to, no. Look to the sidelines to the coach for the play. Well, Jeff Saturday can't call the play. And the gentleman that they chose to do it, he has no experience. Matt Ryan has so much more experience. I personally believe Indy is doing the Raiders a favor by not putting Matt Ryan in. Because if you put Matt Ryan into this game, and Jonathan Taylor comes back, and Matt Ryan gets to call all the plays. Matt Ryan versus Patrick Graham over the last couple of weeks. Just telling you. You know, the, the personnel on the Raiders to Matt Ryan, but they're going to stick with Sam Ellinger. And Sam Ellinger is a quarterback that, I mean, he's had a couple of bright moments, a couple of good throws. I've seen a couple of throws that he's made that were really, that had a zip on it, and he could put it in a spot here. But he got sacked nine times against New England. Nine times, which showed his lack of mobility. So hopefully it's a big game for Max, and maybe it's the game for Chandler Jones. Remember, Chandler Jones last year had a five-sack game against Tennessee and had double-digit sacks. One of the games was the big one. Could this be the Chandler Jones game? All right, earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, the head coach, Josh McDaniels, spoke to the media. Um, Okay, so uh, we're on to Indy. and I know there's been some changes there uh, in the last few days, but um, like we talked to our football team about today, I mean, <clears throat> there's a lot of uh, there's a lot to sink our teeth into here. Um, they got a lot of good players, um, you know, and on all three phases, I'd say. And then, you know, expecting or assuming Taylor will be back offensively, uh, obviously a a really important guy for us to be able to bottle up and try to stop, which is very difficult. Uh, nobody's been better than he has the last few years. Offensively, um, you know, the uh, the big skill guys they have offensively have all uh, contributed, made plays. Pierce, the young rookie receiver, uh, we, we watched him this morning, has obviously made a lot of significant plays for them. The defense, one of the top defenses in the league, clearly impactful players at all three levels. The defensive front, um, Probably as good as we'll see uh, from top to bottom uh, throughout the course of the year. Uh, disruptive inside, uh, lead the league in tackles for loss. Certainly a good pass rush, especially if you're playing from, you know, long yardage or behind. Uh, this team can really get after the passer. Um, you know, and Gus has always done a really good job of preaching, going after the ball, which you can see that on tape. It jumps out on you. Uh, added Gilmore uh, to Kenny Moore, so they got a couple of Pro Bowl corners there on defense. The linebacking core is fast, uh, athletic, and that's not even including Leonard playing as much as he has in the past. I know he's working his way back. Um, and then they're good in the kicking game. You know, two good returners. Punter's been excellent at putting people uh, down, down on the ball inside the 10-yard line. Um, you know they don't they they don't commit a lot of uh, penalties in the kicking game, which they usually end up winning the field position battle week in and week out. So, um, you know this is a team second in their division now, been in a ton of close games. Um, you know had one tie and, and a bunch that were right there at the end where they could have won or lost them. So um, <clears throat> excited to obviously be back home after the trip down 
south, um, you know, and, and get back home and, and uh, really get ready for this one. Uh, scout some players all you want with, you know, with midway through the season, but yeah. when you have somebody who has no coaching experience, yeah. you have no clue what he's going to do to make it difficult on you to try to figure out a scheme they're going to come with? Um, I, I, my, my assumption, well, first of all, I do know Jeff in terms of the, the person, and I think this guy was a great, great football player, and I, I think he – um, he knows the game really, really well. I would assume, uh, again, I'm not in their building, so I don't really know, but I would assume that they're going to let the coaches that have been there to coach, you know, and the scheme isn't going to dramatically change on offense, defense, or in the kicking game. Um, and we talked this morning, they're going to be ready to go because uh, Jeff will have them ready to go. You know, he's a football player at heart. Uh, as a football person at heart, and he knows what goes into winning and losing. You know, he was a tough player when he played. Uh, they're a tough football team. Uh, they're all about field position and trying to take care of the football, trying to create turnovers on defense. Uh, so we're going to be we're going to be ready to go. I know he'll have him ready to go, and I don't expect that the scheme will dramatically shift. Um, although that's something that obviously they could talk about and change. But defensively, they're, uh, like I said, they're ranked highly in basically every category on defense. I don't think that will change at all. They're very good in the kicking game. And then offensively, uh, I know they've had some turnover issues, but, you know, they've historically been very good running the football with this group there. Got a lot of big play receivers and tight ends. So um, I think Jeff will really focus in on, you know, what do we want to do to play a complimentary game? That's what I'm expecting from them, and I'm sure we're going to get their best effort for sure. The defense <clears throat> blocked horns with Gus six times in your career. Yeah. I think you're 2-0 and oh as far as when you were head coach, when he was head coach, but coordinating, mm -hmm. you're 2-2 two and two against one another. Yep. Does that make it a little simpler for I didn't you know to that. get out of your – Head coaching will maybe be, you know, sort of focus on coordinator versus coordinator. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, uh, obviously he's been doing it for a long time and very well. Um, it's a big challenge because uh, they're so connected. They know exactly what they're going to do. It's not an overly uh, complicated team. They don't need to be. You know, they, they let the players go out there and do their thing. And they got, like I said, they got disruptive guys at all three levels. So, um, it, you know, it, it's – it's one of those teams where you see you, you can get kind of mesmerized by saying they don't do a lot, but they do it so damn well that there's not that many opportunities, you know. And so uh, we talked to the offense this morning about that. Like, don't don't get you know into some false sense of well, we know what it's going to be on every play. You might know what it is, but you still got to do something productive, and you got to win your one-on-one -on -one matchups. And so. Um, it'll be a big challenge. It always has been with him, you know. And again, if you if you if you're not taking care of the football in every play, then you're going to make, you know, you're going to create problems for yourself. And uh, they do as good a job of going after it as anybody. Josh, so yesterday you guys um, released John Abram. Um, you yep. guys started a few games through the season. What kind of went into that decision in that, you know, you're going to the deadline or you're keeping them around? Yeah. Um, you know, those are always difficult decisions. And, you know, I think we ultimately want to try to do what we think is best for us and then also for the player. And, you know, his role was changing a little bit as we're going through the season. You know, Trayvon's playing more and going to do. And uh, we've brought Isaiah now up to the roster, um, you know, as another young player. So, um, you know, aren't, those aren't easy, easy decisions. Uh, John's done a lot for this organization, obviously, and I uh, wish him well. Um, but just thought that this was, you know, the right time. He'll latch on with somebody else here and have an opportunity, and uh, and we'll try to move forward here with, with our process. <clears throat> you were talking about, hey, the scheme is kind of the scheme. They're not going to change everything and just throw it out in one week. But in terms of having a play caller who's never called plays before, how do you try to pick up tendencies and things like that when you just don't know? You don't. You don't. 
you just go like this. You know, I mean, there's no way to do it. Um, you know, we know what the tendencies are of the team that we've seen and scouted on on film. Um, I think the most important thing for us is to prepare for the players. You know what I mean? I, I don't – for us to sit here and spend a lot of time and energy guessing on, on how they will or won't call the offense this week, I think we would just be wasting our time because we really don't know, you know. What we know is is usually football teams have a core group of things that they do. And we have a core group of things that we believe in and that we try to do well. And we usually do them over and over and over again each week. They show up somehow, some way in the game. Um, it's just not enough time in the middle of the season to sit there and revamp the entire process or the entire offensive scheme or foundation of what you're going to do. So, um, like I said, they got good players. That's the most important thing. We know what those players do well. If we do that, I think that'll give ourselves an opportunity to go out there and be aggressive and try to play fast. Um, you know, if the scheme changes, that's one of those things that as a coaching staff, if we're seeing something completely different in the first quarter, we're going to need to be ready to adjust. Um, in many ways, that part is a little bit like opening day, um, you know, where you just don't know, are they going to go no huddle? Are they going to be an empty? Are they going to throw at the first 22 plays of the game? I mean, none of us are going to be able to predict that. So I, I know this, they, they run the football well. They got a really good back. They got, like I said, big skill players, a couple of great linemen up front. You know, they've changed quarterbacks recently, so we don't have, like, an inordinate amount of tape on on him. So, um, you know, get ready for the team that we've seen. Get ready for the team that we've scouted. Know what their tendencies are so far, and then we'll have to adjust on game day if it changes. It seems like he's getting a lot more attention now than you know, your max um, in the last few weeks especially. Yep. You've been asked a lot of questions about your defense. Can you put in perspective, though, the seasons he's had, even with the extra attention and how he's been able to kind of shine? Yeah. Even if you've been asked a lot of other questions about your defense? Yeah. he. I mean, that's just that's the nature of the beast. You know, it's not it's not a whole lot different than what you see with Devontae on the other side. You know, I mean, uh, when you're a productive player in this league, uh, most coaches and teams will put a little bit more attention into trying to limit your production if you can. You know what I mean? Um, Max has had a great attitude the entire year about that. Uh, he wanted us to chip him and double him in the spring so that he could anticipate kind of what this was going to be like as he goes into another year and, you know, has more attention given to him. So, um, you know, like like always, when there's people that are, um, you know, assigning two people to another player, um, there's opportunities for others. There's opportunities schematically to hopefully try to do some different things, um, you know, and, and Max's attitude has been phenomenal. So um, that, that isn't going to deter him in terms of his attitude or effort uh, to, to do his job well and to make plays. And I think he has. He's really done a good job. The thing he gets uh, that doesn't get talked enough about is what he does in the running game. You know, he, he's very difficult to block in the running game. Um, he's got tremendous chase and effort from the backside when the ball goes away. Um, you know, I just appreciate so much everything about this guy's game, uh, the way he comes to work and prepares. And um, he gives you everything he has on every snap, and that's all I could ever ask of him. Coach, uh, every week, you know, even though it's been an up-and-down season, you can see the players and practices in the games. You can exactly see that the effort is there. Can you just describe the commitment to coming in and working hard each and every day? And yep not letting up despite the results. Yeah, and I think that's, the, you know, that's the way to do it, you know, and I think they, they, they deserve all the credit for that, you know, and we're trying to be as consistent as we can be and not go up and down, and 
Uh, we've had some losses that we know we had a chance to, to change the outcome, but we didn't, you know. And so we've tried to learn from those and uh, and improve as a football team. And, again, it's it's a long season. It is. And whether you hit a rough stretch at the beginning, the middle, or the end, whatever it is, you know, your mindset and your attitude and your approach, what you do when you walk in the building every day, it's important, you know, because if you allow yourself to really, you know, get down in the dumps no matter what it is, it's hard to, to really, you know, practice and get better and so our team has showed up every single day uh, love their attitude and approach to it and um, you know keep fighting you know that's what we're gonna do keep fighting you know you string some wins together and that's that's how this league works you know and um, you know some of the guys that were here last year they understand I think we lost four or five out of six last year at some point and then kept fighting you know and eventually you kind of you end up in a position where you have a chance at the end so um, that's where we're at, and that's what we're going to do. And, and again, like I said, they, they come in here with a tremendous approach every day. All right, so that's really important. There's plenty of that left. You can go to Raiders.com to hear it all. I'll interview him tomorrow. We'll turn, on, uh, turn around our conversation. A couple of things I'll say about him is Coach McDaniel's been very consistent with these press conferences. He comes right up there. He's one of the most knowledgeable people I've ever heard of knowing the opponent. And you would say, well, you're a head coach. Well, I've interviewed head coaches that don't know the opponent like he does. He goes top of the safety on defense, all the way to the backup defensive line. Tell you about the kicking game, everything. It's his job. He's supposed to do that, but he knows it. He's not a phony there. He's telling you how good this opponent is. Did you hear that? It was really important how he praised this team. He told you how good they are at what they're really good at, and that's the defensive front and the linebacker's speed and what they can do. I wasn't aware that much. I have my notes here in the kicking game and how they pin you back and what they're good at. So he is on top of this every detail. And as he said, there were some good questions there about the fact that the team comes in prepared every week to do that. There's no leaks. There's no, hey, the locker room's getting lost and all that. He tells you honestly, everything's good. We're just losing close games, and they got to fix that. And there's a lot of football left, but the sense of urgency is sky high. Uh, Breaking news, Tom Pelissero Reports the Packers have claimed Raiders safety Jonathan Abram off waivers. The Packers have a new safety or added that depth. Jonathan Abram is a Green Bay Packer. Congratulations to him. That's a good organization to go to. He'll get to practice against Aaron Rodgers in the passing game. Uh, That can only help him going forward. Raider Rex, thanks for waiting. You're up next on the flagship. Go ahead. JT, have to start off by uh, stating the obvious. There goes another 24 to the Packers. That's a 24 to the Packers. You're right. Woodson went there, no doubt. Yeah, Woodson went there, brother. Uh, hopefully, well, you know, God bless. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, making sure Abrams uh, has mm-hmm. success. Yep. You know, uh, don't want to see a good one leave though. Anyways, um, I-, I think you nailed it. Uh, you know, uh, Coach McDaniel's going to have him really prepared. He always has him very, very prepared, very detailed orientated. But also, I think uh, Saturday and uh, and uh, Ryan is also going to have uh, the, the Colts. Very prepared. I think their both teams are going to come out on fire. What I what I would suggest is one thing totally outside the box is when we have, whether from an academic point of view, uh, have somebody like Lincoln Kennedy or Charles Woodson, somebody step into that locker room and truly tell them from the heart what it is to protect your home field and be a Raider. Go in there and kick some butt and go there and own that damn field and put a mark on it. And let's play, let's play for that emblem and go out there and really just Kick some butt. Really kick some butt. I, I don't want to go about the history. I don't want to go the whole nuances because that's great, and that's deep. And, I, you know, somebody from seeing from the outside 
you know, let's, let's, let's state the truth. You know, mm-hmm. you know, Coach McDaniels is an outsider, but you know what? He's trying to put his stamp on it. He appreciates the history of the Raiders. He's learning about the history of the Raiders, but he's not a Raider. Not yet. Let him get some games under. Let him get a season or two under his belt, and then we'll do an assessment. But right now, to collectively, I think the Raider Nation and the Raider alumni, truly those living mm-hmm. greats that are still have a mark on the current, uh, you know, players, step down there. Maybe I, maybe we get a, like I said, a Woodson, you know, bring a Marcus Allen, maybe a Marcel Reese, maybe he steps down there and yeah. just fires them up. Fires them yeah. up, brother. What yeah, do you think? appreciate it. They do that, and Marcel Reese is around the team as much as any alumni, period. Really, as a assistant and an important person to Mark Davis, I think the world of Marcel. So Marcel's around the organization. Lincoln Kennedy travels with the team, so Lincoln's available all the time. He really is. And Fred Bolitnikoff, I talk to Fred almost every day. Uh, Fred is texting with Hunter Renfro every week, and Tim Brown, whatever he could do around the organization. And we saw Marcus in the tunnel with Josh. He, we saw him in there with Josh a couple times when he's having those big games. And I don't think they need a rah-rah speech anymore. I don't. The thing that I would say, I, the rah-rah speech happens in all sports when you start a game. What I would think that I'd like to see is that I'd like to see him come out of the tunnel at halftime very emotional. Wouldn't you? And maybe they are, but we can't see it with your seats or your binoculars or wherever you're at. But there are guys that look for that. So when they come out in the third quarter, you know, Derek may be on the sideline with the defense. Derek may be walking in front of everybody. You know, those are the type of things that I think make a difference, but I didn't play NFL football. I don't know if that's a big deal or not. But I'd like to see the emotion of the team outside the guys that were obvious. Deron Harmon, Max Crosby, Josh Jacobs. You know, Colt Miller's not a guy who's running around. I don't see him, like, going crazy. That's not his style. But in the locker room, everybody says he's incredible. Right? Incredible here. Jonathan Abram was really good at that. That's the guy, when I saw him in the building, he's always kind of upbeat. He's gone. Someone will step up and do this. But what I wanted to point out there is Josh McDaniels has taken a lot of heat. I've gotten to know him personally. I don't know him well. I talk to him every week. He's a good man. He's a great dad. He moved here. He's trying to stabilize his family, coach a team. A lot of people don't care about that. I do. I do. I get to build relationships with Rich Passaccia, John Gruden, all the coaches of the past, and I see a side of them. Josh McDaniels is really special with his knowledge and his coaching pedigree. He's just lost a couple of really dramatic bad games this year where they were leading. If they were 4-4, four and four, the whole show would sound different here today. And you know it and I know it. And what we're going to do is we're going to get through it. And hopefully this is a game that, believe me, they get through it because there's going to be more national media covering this game than you think. There is. There's going to be more people going, I wonder what Jeff Saturday does in his first game. I wonder what Jeff Saturday is going to look like, big guy with a headset on. I wonder what Jeff Saturday is going to do. You know, That's what's going to happen. People are going to tune into this game. It's going to get a lot of national coverage, and the stadium's going to look great, and the, you know, the, the torch and all that, it's got to be big, got to be fast. Don't put this game in the hands of Jeff Saturday with four minutes to go in the fourth quarter. This thing's got to be over by the fourth quarter. I got to be making, Demond my walk to the Modelo Lounge. You know, I leave, I leave the booth with my iPad, and I take my backpack, and I make that walk on the 100 level from the media elevator, mm-hmm. and I walk to Modelo. I like to see when the opposing fans are leaving because the game's over. I don't like to get to the Modelo Lounge and everybody's just biting their nails. I don't like that. Yeah, you don't want to be down there. That that tr- the Cardinals game, excuse me, the Charger game last year, oh. the last game of the season. 
it was it was so painstaking. I was already in the media room getting ready, and then I just had to watch the game almost on the field because hey, it, it was it was a, that was that's a game. You're a young guy. You're going to beat a lot of them. If you were you were at that Charger Raider game, that's one of the top Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore all-time regular season games because what was at stake? On top of the game, but what was at stake for the Steelers, the Raiders, and the Raiders eliminated the Chargers. Yeah, but I tried to get out early. It's like, oh, I'll I'll get down before anybody. (laughs) And then it was like an extra 30 minutes of, oh, no. This isn't ending anytime soon. It's not ending. Let's go find a place to watch it. And I start off with my seats in the Twitch Lounge with my buddy Alex DeCastaverde, who's our proud partner here on the show. And then I make my way over to the Modelo cantina with steve gomez and our proud partner Modelo, and uh, i'd like to have i'd like to have a nice post-game show they were coming at me hard man they were they were they were i mean i, I was solo eric allen's on tv man they were coming over the phones over the walls of the m at me man i don't want anybody to shed a tear for me i love what i do but that was a rough one in Jacksonville, the the game at the M there. I need an easier one as my wife waits for us to leave after the game. Need some calmness in this one, and I hope we're going to get it. We're going to have a lot of fun. A lot of friends are in town this weekend. A lot of people won't see the Raiders until after this game for a while. There's a couple of games on the road uh, before the Chargers. So it's a good time to get together with friends. I'll be out there at the tailgate with Cisco in the Black Hole. Always good to see everybody out there. Be at the Torch with Eric Allen. Come see us at the Torch. And then the post-game show in the Modelo Cantina. Got a text. Olden Polonis, the great 15-year big man in the NBA, is going to join us, plus your call. So light him up now. I'll get you on the other side. 702-365-9200. At the end of the day, the reality is, is if you come back too quickly from one of these, you usually end up out longer. And so, um, you know, we're just trying to let his body tell us when the right time is. it is. And, and hopefully that's sooner rather than later. But we can't, you know, we just can't do it, you know, magically snap our fingers and, and make it go away. So um, we'll give it another shot this week, and hopefully uh, we can turn the corner. He's talking about Darren Waller. That's head coach Josh McDaniels. Don't know why it's taken so long. It's a hamstring. ESPN just reported that... Matthew Stafford has entered concussion protocol, and Kyla Murray has a hamstring injury. It's about durability, trying to keep as many players available on your roster when you can. And, you know, this indie team's been pretty banged up. Raiders have been banged up. Divine Diablo, Hunter Renfro's concussions. What we saw early in this year, the injuries have been sustainable. But the fact that this team is completely different without Darren Waller, completely different. There's 100 reception tight end with breakaway speed when he's not on the field the other defense just celebrates they celebrate going we don't have to guard this guy that's two guys out of 11 that doesn't have to worry about him the safety and the linebacker says wow talk about an assignment I was supposed to have I had to guard Darren Waller all day he's not playing I don't have to guard him changes everything we wish Darren well I know Darren you know him if you've seen him here the guy wants to play And I don't know why it's coming back this long. I did speak to a trainer, not in the Raider organization, who says that the interesting part of a hamstring, if it's in the meat of the hamstring, in the belly, as they said, of the hamstring, it it heals quicker. If it's near the end where the nerves are, it could take a while. So I'm not assuming what's going on with Darren. I'm not a trainer or a doctor, but it's been taking a while. And he's a thoroughbred athlete, and you cannot afford to lose him. Now, when you're 2-6, and can you bring him back a little early? I don't know. I don't know what I know he wants to come back, 
But they are erring on a side of caution, and they're going to get him back when he's ready to go. I wish we had more on this because I don't think it's true, but I know that fans have called me and told me that they have the wind sucked out of them when they hear me on the pregame show say Darren's inactive when Darren's out warming up to try to play. Takes a lot out of the fan base. Fans think he's going to play, and then, boom, we get Vinny Bonsignor, Vic Tafer, Paul Gutierrez putting out the inactives after the Raiders do, and it's like, oh, he's not able to go. It hurts because you want to see him play. He's a great player and hasn't been able to get onto the field the last month. Mitch in New Jersey, before we get out to Olden Polonies, who's on hold. Go ahead, Mitch. JT, how you doing? Doing good, Mitch. What's happening? Well, at least you're, you're more cheerful and things are optimistic when I hear you. But um, I tell you, I hope uh, Matt Ryan doesn't play because then I just, I just cannot believe the luck of the Colts, really. I like Seth. He was good in college. But isn't it kind of funny? I think the Colts, are they going to tank? And I don't like the way they have it in the NFL, too. Mm-hmm. They're going to get, they're gonna get, and there's like, I think four or five guys going to be drafted in the first round. Colts are going to get another a long-term quarterback, Locke and Manning. What a lucky team. I think Saturday's going to be permanent by next year. Yeah, uh, let me jump in here. I don't agree with you. I don't think the Colts are tanking. I don't. I don't think Jeff Saturday left TV to come here and embarrass himself and tank. I think that's actually ridiculous. I do not think they're tanking at all. Okay? The Raiders' record is worse. So why aren't Raider fans calling in saying, why aren't the Raiders tank? Okay, the Raiders are not tanking. The Colts aren't tanking. No one's tanking. The Packers aren't tanking. I heard some guy on the radio today with a much bigger show than mine talking about benching Rodgers the rest of the year to keep. I'm like, it's amazing what happens when people are allowed to talk about sports and they don't watch sports. And some people make a lot of money not going to games and watching sports, man. No one tanks. These are professional athletes. Now, NBA players, you can get me going on that. And I bring in my good friend, Olden Polonese, uh, nice enough to join us, the former 15-year big man in the NBA. And Olden, I told my producers, I didn't want to hear from you until the Lakers played 10 games. Now they're 2-8. and eight. How did the Lakers get here? Well, it's, it's sad, really, what's happening to the Lakers. Um, a couple of things. You know, one, you know, I, I, I like the Darvin Ham. Um, hiring, but not for the Lakers. <laughs> you know, it's like he deserved a head coaching job, but that was the one to start with. And so it was just really messed up because you put him in a really tough situation because it's just that he's not ready for that limelight, you know, of the Lakers, of having to win, of having to produce. And then he has th- three guys that don't mess together and his style of play is not conducive to the Lakers. So it's just a mismatch of a whole bunch of, of, of madness right now. You know, I, I'm, I really respect Russell Westbrook for, you know, coming off the bench and not making a big deal about it. Cause he could have, but mm-hmm. you know, he hasn't done that. He's kind of like, you know, he's playing a role right now. And, and that's a good thing. You know, because I know he's upset. He's Come on, there's a future Hall of Famer. But he's resigned himself to say, hey, you know what, whatever's best for the team. Once he made that statement, I knew they were going to test him <laughs> because he said it publicly. And so they were going to, okay, well, you said whatever for the team. So they definitely, you know, they, they, they tested his hand. And it's tough, you know. Offense is horrible. They don't have enough shooting. And when guys make shots, like a guy like a Matt Ryan, he makes a couple of shots, they stop going to him. 
And there's just so many problems. There really is. <laughs> so Yeah, Olden, let, let me ask you about meshing together because you played on great teams with future Hall of Famers and you competed against so many Hall of Famers. How difficult is it to coach guys meshing together? Because the Lakers story for me is when do they become disengaged now? They're 2-8. and eight. Now they look forward, and there'll be weeks where they'll have easier games, and maybe they'll win three in a row. But then they could lose four out of five. And do you think you see this team buckling down under Darvin Ham, saying, we're going to do whatever we can. We're going to make a trade at the trade deadline. We're going to sneak into the playoffs. Or do you just think this team all year long is just going to have mental breakdowns and get blown out in a lot of these games? It's going to be just what you said. It's going to be a lot of mental breakdowns and because there's no fix for them. Unless they pull the trigger on Miles Turner and Buddy Hill, there's no fix. None at all. There's no fix. They're going to have to do something really drastic like that. And even Anthony, Anthony Davis should be in play for a possible trade. Because to yeah. me... It's not, he's not giving them enough. You know, if you look at his fourth quarter scoring, it's abysmal. And I'm, I'm saying to myself, hi, okay, LeBron sits out and you still don't get enough shots. So whose fault is that? Is that the team's fault? Is that Anthony Davis? Or is it a combination of the two? But something has to give here because they're not going to be successful with this structure of a team, with the players they have, and with the style of play that they are trying to play. Olden Polonese is our guest. Let's spend most of our time on the Brooklyn Nets as they're a four and seven. Philadelphia is five and six. Miami's four and seven. But I haven't talked to you in a while. And when it came to the anti-Semitism debate with Kyrie Irving, finally Joe Sy, the owner, the NBA, which I thought was really late to react with the penalty here. The Nets had to take a step back and see what the penalty phase were. You talk to a lot of players in the league and outside the league. What do you think of Kyrie and this whole debacle that's happening in Brooklyn? Man, I'm I'm really trying to stay away from that only mm-hmm. because there's so many moving parts, right. you know, because everybody everybody's going to take positions, and sometimes that's the worst thing you can do is everybody jockeying for position. You know, which side are you on? I, I'm on the side of right always. I'm a big human rights person. And I believe everybody has their rights within reason. I'm not saying you have the right to go blow up a building, you know, but it's like if people are trying to do what's best for others, I'm okay with it. You know, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm the guy, I mean, I've coached at a Jewish school, so I've dealt with Jewish people. I've, I was nearly raised by a Jewish lady. You know, because I spent so much mm-hmm. time at her home because my mother used to work for her, Mrs. Morgenstern. That was like m- the love of my life, you know. So it's like I'm saying that to say this. We all can pick and choose what, you know, what's going to upset us if if we make it that way. You know, I think there was a lot of people that were wrong. Kyrie, the Nets, the NBA. You know, there's so mm-hmm. many different moving parts within this whole thing that I, I'm just, like I say, I'm really just trying to stay out of it because no matter what I say or what I do, it doesn't really matter because until the people that are truly involved sit down and communicate to one another instead of talking at each other, then nothing is going to change. Nothing's going to get done. And it's not just Kyrie 
and the NBA. It's all of us. You know, at some point in time, people have to just start to talk and start to learn how to listen to one another. Well, Olden, we talked a lot about social injustice. We had really deep conversations after George Floyd's murder. And is it different when you talk about religion more so than social injustice? They're both topics that people should feel comfortable talking about. But if you make a wrong turn, if you get off the wrong road on religion and, and post something or say something, when you get people fired up on religion, man, you got to be careful. And I think we saw that with Kyrie Irving and this documentary and all that in a vibrant Jewish community in Brooklyn where a lot of the fans couldn't believe it here. So most athletes don't touch on religion, but they'll touch on social injustice. Well, because that's the end thing. And so to mm-hmm. me, all that is wrong. Because if you're going to do it, you have to do it. Again, the reason why I don't want to go into, deeply into it is because, again, I don't have enough information. You know, and yep. I'm one of those, I will not speak on something unless if I've spoken to Kyrie or I've spoken to um, Adam Silver or anybody and know what's going on. All I'm hearing is third, fourth, fifth-handed information, and I Got refuse it. to do that. Excellent. You know, that's why I asked. That... Religion, we know religion is one of the hot topics, you know. And so mm-hmm. to me, politics and religion, those are the things that we can never agree upon because everybody has a right to their own beliefs, right? What about and so it? Yeah. at the same time, there's so many different components. There's Hindu, Muslim, Catholic, mm-hmm. Protestant. It's, there's so many out there. Absolutely. I agree with everything you said there. It is a... It's a very touchy topic, and people avoid it. And when you do usually talk about religion, you praise all other religions and all other faiths. That's what most religions do. And if you get something wrong or if it's taken out of context, you can get in a lot of trouble. Olden Polonese, kind enough to join us here. It looks great to see what Milwaukee's doing. Man, the greatest player in the world, Giannis Antetokounmpo, worked out in the offseason, was in shape. How surprising. A lot of other guys weren't. And he hits the ground running. I've watched a couple of their games this year. They look like they're in championship form. Oh, they came out ready. And so to yeah. me, that that bodes well for them. But that that tells you exactly, you know, what their mindset was. Whereas the rest of the league, you know, everybody it, – it's weird how some, some players and some teams, you know, they take everything lightly and think they're going to turn it on, turn it off. You can't do that. The Milwaukee Bucks, you know, they came out, and they're doing all this without Chris Middleton. And so, to me, that's more impressive than anything else. So, when he comes back, that's just another weapon that they have. But at the same time, I think, you know, everything goes as Giannis goes. And Giannis is one of those guys, you know, you've seen him play. He He's not really trying to mess around when he's on the court. He's not trying to be friends. He's coming at you. And so, to me, he, he, he set the tone early. You know, I think Brooke Lopez is really playing well right now. He's either first or second in, in block shots. So, he's doing his thing. Grayson Allen is surprisingly playing well. Drew Holiday is playing well. So, they, they came ready. And 9-1 and one is not a bad start for the first 10 games of the season. Olden Polonies, Olden, last basketball question in regards to the Warriors. It fascinates me. They almost look like they're playing with other teams. They're joking, saying, we're going to let everybody play, and then we're going to make sure Steph's playing in the beginning and the end, and we'll probably beat you. But we're going to experiment 
for two or three weeks to see what we have coming off the bench in the rotation here. Don't you do that in the preseason? Don't you do that in the offseason? Don't you have a plan? It's almost like Steve Kerr is telling the league, we're so much better than you. We've won all these four championships. We'll let you know when we're going to have our firm lineup for the rest of the year, but we clearly don't have it now. How do you see it? Oh, no, they don't have it right now. And I don't think Steve is telling the league. It's just that the league already knows that's who the Warriors are. So they're not concerned about it. Like the other night, they sat uh, Steph, Clay, and Draymond, and Andrew Wiggins, mm-hmm. <laughs> even when they were coming off all those losses. So they're not really concerned about regular season losses. They, you're right. They want to be playing great at the end. Now, I go back to last year. They had that hot start, and then Steph got hurt. And, you know, they started losing games, and then he got back, and then they, of course, you know, obviously won the championship. So it doesn't matter to them, you know, whether it's home court, no home court, uh, 50 wins, 40, it doesn't matter. They just want to make the playoffs. They want to make the playoffs healthy, and they are champions. They have the championship mentality, and they know what to do after that. But, again, it's always been a problem for the Warriors, you know, that – overconfidence, lackadaisical or silliness, you know, with the turnovers, uh, you know, we don't want to play defense today. You know, we want to do this. And, but, you know, or we're going to just play our young guys. So they, they all are always experimenting with stuff, but, you know, it looks weird to us on the outside, but they have a game plan, which is to get the young guys ready for the playoffs. So when the bright lights come on, it's nothing to them. Beautiful commentary. Olden, good to have you back. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. I always value time. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Appreciate you, Olden. Now, I could talk to that guy all day. Olden Polonese, man. The NBA is in a bad spot, everybody. It's in a bad spot. Really bad. Big Al in San Francisco coming off that NBA interview, and you're in the Bay Area with the Warriors. What do you think of the product here, Big Al? What's going on in the league? Well, the league... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, nobody seems to want to play defense, and we, so we, therefore we end up seeing some very bad ball. We uh, guys are not going to the basket as they should go to the basket. I'm talking. Winners not talking about back to the basket stuff. That's you know that's that's a different conversation, and that's gone passe over the last you know, half a decade to a decade. But but players need to go to the basket to get their get their body bumped a little bit. I happen to believe after watching the Warriors for all these years that when you go to the basket and you get your body banged a little bit, you're more in the game, you're more intense. Uh, and you're, and not only does your offensive intensity pick up, but your defensive intensity does too because you're fully engaged. And when I'm watching this, you know, the Warriors over the, you know, the, you know this year, well, let's just talk about this year's team, um, they don't go to the basket enough. Mm-hmm. There's too much standing around, settling for threes, um, not enough ball movement, uh, the turnovers are high, and... When you go to the basket, interesting things happen, and it's just not about well, you get two shots or two fouls like it used to be. It's really much more about you become much more mentally engaged in the game, and when that happens, your defensive intensity is going. Yeah, but I, I see that. You know, I compare what you say in the NBA, working in the NBA, to what I see in the NFL, and you work in the NFL. That you know, the Raiders aren't lacking intensity and energy; they're lacking execution with their energy, and they're not executing right with the Warriors. I'm just as a fan watching games and, and using my remote control. They don't see the coaches don't seem like they want to win these games. They feel like they want to experiment and then win it late. Am I wrong? 
I think that I think the coaches come out and they want to win every game, and they're trying to figure out how to uh, to blend these different lineups and so forth. So they're they're willing to acquiesce a little bit more for the sake of being able to learn where chemistry is. However, at the end of the day, the court hasn't changed, mm-hmm. and the three point line hasn't changed in now forty something years. So the and with the exception of the, uh, the mm-hmm. take foul, which I really don't understand anyway, uh, the game is still the same. Learn how to learn your team within the scope of how the game is supposed to be played, because with a team like the Warriors, there's just too much settling for bad shots, and mm-hmm. that you, know, you can say, "Well, we we need to pass the ball six times uh, before we take a shot." You know, we can come up with all these different things or set three screens, but the fact of the matter is, basketball is basketball, and you win the game fundamentally. And those players that play the game better fundamentally are going to be the players that are going to be on the court. So I wouldn't worry. I'm not myself. I wouldn't worry as much about the chemistry. I'd worry about who is getting and playing the game correctly. Everything else falls into place. From there. Thanks, Big Al. Appreciate your calls as always. What I find fascinating about the Warriors, the Lakers have real problems. They're not very good, and they have one of the greatest players, if not the greatest player, behind Jordan of all time. They can't get it going, and they have Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook. The Warriors have much better talent than those guys, and they just seem to want to test out. It's like they're working in a Napa winery. They want to test out all these blends. You already said they want to blend the lineup. The cockiness of the Warrior organization to not have their rosters in place, their players in shape, i.e. Clay Thompson, and ready to, to go undefeated. Ready to go undefeated. They should win every game, and they're like, no, no, we're good. We're good. For you gamblers out there, I tell you, you got the hard job if you're a sports gambler. How do you bet the Warriors? You don't even know what days they want to show up. Steph will go out and give you 42. Draymond will play hard, and the rest of the guys, Steve Kerr's going timeout. You three come in the game. He doesn't care at all in November if they win or lose. And it's hard to gamble if you want to do it that way, man. Good luck doing it. And uh, we appreciate it. Appreciate everybody today, especially Damon, who's been in all week for Bobby, putting these shows together. we got a monster show tomorrow as we lead into the Indianapolis Colts coming into town to take on the Raiders. Thanks to all of our proud partners who keep us on the radio and the great fans who are streaming us in abundance on the Raiders mobile app.